Aren't you thankful for the richness of His Spirit this morning? Praise God. The Scripture says, He that the Son has set free is free indeed. One place says, made free. He that makes you free is free indeed. There is freedom here. Now, everybody's not walking in it, but that's all right. The service isn't over yet. He wants you to. He wants you to. I appreciate the worship of the Lord today. Appreciate the sensitivity to the Holy Ghost there. There was a witness in the Spirit throughout worship. Many of you identified with that, connected to that. That song said, everything changes when His kingdom comes. It's more than just a neat line in the song. The reality is, when His kingdom comes, everything changes. Everything. Jesus spoke to those in His day and said, don't look and say, low here or low there. He said, for the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is not a geographical location. The kingdom of God is within you. It's who has reign and authority in your life, in your heart. It's the word. The kingdom of God is within you. You say, well, my life's not changing. Nothing's changing. You're telling me when the kingdom comes, everything changes. It may be an issue of who's king in your life. When he has reign in our life, everything changes. You say, well, I've given him reign, but this hasn't changed. Well, it doesn't mean everything changes that we see with the natural eye. But all of a sudden, when he's the king in my life, I now understand, you know what? He's in control of that. I can't control it. I wish I could. If I had my way, I'd change it. But it's not my kingdom. It's his. And he's chose to let it remain. So his ways higher than mine. His wisdom's above mine. But I'm purposing. He's the king. And so he's in charge. I trust him. Somebody once wrote a book, I think, called Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? I don't know, ask Joseph, ask Daniel. I mean, just keep working through the Bible. Ask Jeremiah, why'd he end up down in a pit? Ask Daniel, why he ended up in a lion's den. Ask Joseph, why he ended up in a pit and then a prison. What, was, what in the world? God was in control. God was in control. Amen. You know, life happens to us. And uh, it's interesting, us as human beings, I speak from experience, unfortunately, that when life starts happening, my human nature determines the best course of action is for me to hurry up and take control. Let me fix this. Let me do this. Let me do that. Or, or I'll, I'll go into protect mode. Anybody ever had protect mode in your life? 
Come on, you know what I'm talking about. We're all honest. You're human and you've lived past 20. You've had protect mode in your life, right? When he's the king, I don't have to go into protect mode. He's in control. He's in control. Praise God. I feel great faith here this morning in a great and powerful way. And uh, I think the Lord would like everything to change for you today if you'd like him to. Allow it in your life. If you'll allow it in your life. Amen. I want you to go with me to the word of God today, to the book of Genesis. And I think, let's see, Genesis chapter 27. You can just hold that there. And uh, if you've got your Bible, you can go to Genesis 27 and hold your finger there. I think we're going to start with another verse. I believe if we'll open our heart today and receive the word of God. And seek to let his spirit mix with faith and the word in our heart. We can leave here today different and forever changed. I'm not saying that lightly this morning. I feel that strongly about the word of God today. I know you're holding your hand. Jeremiah, can you, I'm going to put you to work. Can you go to the book of Acts chapter number one? We're going to go back to Genesis in just a second. Can you go to Acts chapter one? And whatever the last two verses are in that chapter. I don't know the numbers. Can you go back one more verse? I'm sorry. 24 through 26. Perfect. The Lord has been dealing with my heart about this for some time and a couple of weeks. And it was after a service on a a Wednesday a couple weeks ago or Sunday last week or something. My son and I were riding together. You know, there's only five of us in our house, but we usually end up here with three vehicles. Um. I used to see people do that when I was young. I think, man, why don't they just ride to church together? Well, now I understand. But uh, some come early for prayer. Some come early for worship. Some can't get their hair fixed, but we finally make it. And so if you think that's me, you don't know my house. But um, anyway, so a couple of us were riding home together, me and my son. And he had mentioned something the Lord was dealing with him about in this passage of Scripture. And... When he shared it with me, what the Lord was talking to him about, or, and he, he made a statement. I may not be getting this verbatim, but he made a statement. I'm still not sure what all God's trying to say, but I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm sort of studying and exploring. And, and there was something in it that the Lord was dealing with him about that's different than we're going to talk about today. But when he shared it with me, the Holy Ghost connected something in this scripture to where he'd been dealing with me. And uh, I hope. That your spirit is open today. 
I'm careful about ever trying to build up the Word of God. It doesn't need to be built up. But if you'll receive the Word of God in faith today, He'll use His Word to change our lives and our course. And we can walk out with freedom even if we didn't walk in with it. I don't care what's got you bound. You can walk out in freedom. So let's read this. Acts chapter 1 verse 24. And they prayed, they are the disciples, 11 of them, because you'll see why. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men. You see that? You knowest the hearts of all men. Why don't you just take your hand and put it right here, right about where your heart is, and say, Lord, you know my heart. He does. He knows it. You know the hearts of all men show whether of these two thou hast chosen, verse 25, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. Now you've heard me preach from this scripture before. If you've been around here, we're not going to go that direction that we have before from this scripture. But I want you to see something I've never seen here before. Many of us know the scripture where Jesus was speaking to his disciples and he made this statement. He said, I go to... Anybody know the rest of that verse? To, to what, Brother Lewis? I go to prepare a place, what? For you. Isn't that what he said? Why? I go to prepare a place for you. So that, what's that? Where I am, you may be also. That's what the Lord said to his disciples. I go to prepare a place for you. Everybody say me. He went to prepare a place for you and I. And the reason he went to prepare a place for us is so that where he is, we could be also. But I want you to notice this verse we read. Judas, by transgression, fell. That he might go, where? To his own place. The Lord told Judas, Judas was one of those when he said this to the disciples. I go to prepare a place for you. But Judas made some decisions. And because of Judas' decisions, he fell into transgression. And therefore, he went to not the place God prepared for him, but to his own place. I have a question for you today. Could Judas have repented of his sin and been forgiven? Absolutely, right? I mean, is there any reason he couldn't have? Do you notice that even when he betrayed him, when Judas betrayed Jesus, he came to him in the garden, came up to him, kissed him on the cheek. He let the Roman soldiers know this will be the sign. 
He kissed him on the cheek. And when he kissed him there, Jesus turns to Judas and makes this statement. He says, friend, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? That word friend there wasn't like you and I might use it casually in a conversation at work or on the phone. Hey, friend. Oh, no, that word friend that Jesus used there, most likely in Aramaic, was a word that spoke of an intimate relationship that was of value to him. Even when he was betraying him, Jesus said, Friend, one who's dear to me, who I hold close, you betray me with a kiss. I believe with all of my heart because of what we know about the Lord Jesus Christ that His words were more than just a passing expression. But I believe the Lord Jesus was even in Judas' transgression reaching to Judas to try to give him an opportunity to repent and turn from the error of his way. And I'm confident because of the word of God and the work of Calvary that had Judas, after Christ died on Calvary, that had Judas found a place of repentance, knelt before the Lord and cried out, God, forgive me, I have sinned. I've sinned against you in betraying innocent blood. God, forgive me this day. Have mercy on me. Wash my transgressions out. Cleanse my life from my wrongdoing. Bring me back into right relationship with you. I believe if Judas would have prayed that prayer, then God would have honored it because God is no respecter of persons and the blood that he shed on Calvary was for every lost soul. Judas would have prayed that prayer. I mean, David prayed that prayer and David was pre-Calvary. God went beyond Calvary to do a work in David's life before a dispensation of time because David repented. How much more would he do it for Judas who was in the dispensation of grace once Christ died. But Judas did not find a place of repentance. He took the silver back when he saw his mistake and he threw it in the temple. Said, take it back. Deals off. They said, too late. Took his money, bought a field, buried him in it. Field of blood, it's called, or a seldoma. If he'd only repented, if he'd only found a place, God would have forgiven him. I'm confident. But because he didn't find a place of repentance and forgiveness from the Lord, the enemy continued to bombard him with condemnation. The enemy continued to bombard him with condemnation. Continued to bombard him with condemnation until a man that had walked three and a half years with God in the flesh began to contemplate the very idea of taking his own life. The enemy kept feeding the thought. The enemy kept feeding the thought through condemnation. The enemy kept telling him, there's no way back now. 
There's no way back now. Your failure's too great to ever get back. Your failure's too big to ever make your way back. The blood of Jesus might have been for others, but it's not for you. Your failure's too great to make your way back. And Judas began and continued to entertain the voice, continued to entertain the condemnation, continued to entertain the lies in spite of three and a half years of one-on-one ministry with Christ. In spite of hearing the word of God, he began to doubt the word of God and give ear to the condemner and the accuser. And he believed the word of Satan more than the word of God. And so ultimately he took his own power of sin the wages of sin is death but there is a gift of God there is a gift of God now I know that's sort of somber but don't worry we're not going to stay there all morning go with me to Genesis chapter 27 and you know we could we could look at Judas and we could say it's tragic but he brought it on himself And that would be true. But I don't know many people that grieve for Judas in our day. We don't necessarily read the scripture and go, oh, that poor guy. Most people look and think, man, he had it coming. I think his fellow disciples probably grieved over him. I'm sure they were saddened by the fact that he betrayed Christ and they were torn because of that fact. But I think Peter could relate a little bit. Peter denied Christ three times and went out and wept bitterly. The difference is Peter found a place of repentance and forgiveness and Judas didn't. Peter's failure because of repentance and forgiveness brought him back to a place of great authority and use in the kingdom of God. Judas' failure to find a place of forgiveness took him to death and damnation. We could look at Judas and we could not necessarily go any love lost on him. You know, people aren't naming their kids Judas nowadays. Thousands of years later, the stigma remains. People name their kids Peter. I mean, there's, they're even using the term Saint Peter. There's people that make figurines and worship these statues that they call Peter. They're not doing that for Judas. Judas had opportunities. So we look at him and we look at his life and we think as an individual, you made a mess. Now you're dealing with your mess. You could have been free, Judas. You could have been forgiven. But I want to show you something else. Genesis chapter 27. I'm going to read a story to you. I pray that you hear it. And it's going to be rather lengthy. But I want you to hear the story. Genesis chapter 27. We're going to start in the first verse. And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim... So that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here am I. 
And he said, Behold now, I am old. I know not the day of my death. Must have been a tough conversation for Esau to hear, I think. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, thy bow. Go out to the field. Take me some venison. Make me savory meat such as I love. And bring it to me that I may eat. That my soul may bless thee before I die. And Rebekah, that's Isaac's wife, she heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah spake to Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard your father speak to Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat, and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock, fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father, that he may eat, and that he may bless you before his death. They're sort of conniving here, aren't they? Verse number 11. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father, peradventure, will feel me, and, he'll seem, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver. And I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be your curse, my son. Only obey my voice, and go fetch me them. And he went, and fetched, and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory meat, such as his father loved. Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, put them upon Jacob, her younger son. She put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth of his neck. She gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. And he came unto his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau. Thy firstborn. He's in deep now, isn't he? I mean, it, it, it started with go get some kids, but now he's wearing Esau's clothes. Now he's got skins of animals on his hands and his neck, so he appears a certain way. His father can't see, so he's taking advantage of that. And now he's faced with his father saying, who are you? And now he's in deep. I am Esau, thy firstborn. Now watch. He just, I'm in it now. You ever been in and you just don't see a way out? He's in now. I'm Esau, your firstborn. I've done according as you bade me or I've done what you asked me to do. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. Keep reading. And Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. Man, he's getting deeper, isn't he? I mean, really, he's, he's now brought God into this. Verse 21, and Isaac said to Joseph, 
or to Jacob. Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him, and he said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. This is another message for another day, but hear me. You better know the voice of God because what you feel can deceive you. Verse 23. And he discerned him not because his hands were hairy as his brother's Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Isaac trusted what he felt more than what he heard. Verse 24, and he said, you can hear that little bit of question still in, here, in his mind here. He said, are you my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, bring it near to me and I will eat of my son's venison that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him and he did eat and he brought him wine and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, come near now and kiss me, my son. I think he's still trying to figure out. And he came near and he kissed him and he smelled the smell of his raiment, his clothes. And he blessed him and he said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. And now watch. Isaac begins to speak. Verse 28. Therefore, God give thee of the dew of heaven. And the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee. And blessed be he that blesseth thee. And it came to pass. Have you got this story? Have you got this picture? Have you seen what just took place here? You've seen the importance of these events that just unfolded here. And the words of the patriarch Isaac that were just spoken over Jacob's life. He thought he was speaking it to Esau, but it was spoken over the life of Jacob. Verse 30, it came to pass as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob. And Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father. That Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. And he also had made savory meat, brought it to his father, said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac, his father, said unto him, Who are you? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn, Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it to me? And I have eaten all before you came and have blessed him. Yea, and he shall. Be blessed. 
Now watch what happens here. I know we're doing a lot of reading, but we need to hear and see the word of God. Verse 34. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O father. And he said, his father said, Thy brother came with subtlety and hath taken away thy blessing. And he said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times. This is Esau talking now. He hath took away my birthright. And behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. I want you to notice something here. We're going to keep reading, but pause with me for just a moment and notice. Esau said, he hath taken away my birthright. But you just have to go back a few chapters and you read the story. And the reality is Jacob didn't take the birthright from Esau. Esau gave it away. Esau, in a moment of natural hunger, the scripture says he despised his birthright. And when Jacob offered him a bowl of soup in exchange, Esau uttered these words, What is it to me? And he gave it up for a bowl of soup and gave it to Jacob. And the scripture says, Thus Esau despised his birthright. Esau had his eyes fixed on something that was temporary. Esau was fixed in the natural. Esau was looking at what he could get today. Esau was so concerned with his need today that he got blinded to what was promised tomorrow and he couldn't see the promise of God tomorrow because he was only interested in getting some satisfaction today. And as a result, he threw away everything that God had promised to get some relief today. And by the time he gets to this place in life, he's forgotten what he's done. And his transgression has got him saying, my brother took my birthright. No, Esau, you gave it away. You could go back to the end of chapter 26. We won't for sake of time. But there was this element in Esau's life. If you read the end of chapter 26, the scripture names a couple of ladies that Esau married, took to his wife. They weren't. Of the Israelites. The scripture the way it reads I believe says this grieved his parents. Esau always seemed to be looking at the here and now. Never quite looking down the road. He always lived his life in the here and now. Wanting relief today. Wanting hope today. Wanting a fix today. Wanting a correction today. And. In so doing, he kept dismissing a promise that was down the road. He took him away. Now he's taken my blessing. And notice what he says to his father at the end of that verse. He said, Has you, have you not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, 
I have made him your Lord. And all his brethren have I given to him for servants. And with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what now shall I do unto thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lift up his voice and wept. And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. And by thy sword shalt thou live and shalt serve thy brother. And it shall come to pass when thou shalt have the dominion that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. You see that? I want to read that again. It shall come to pass when thou shalt have the dominion that thou shalt break his yoke from off your neck. Finally, verse 41. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, notice, in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then, Will I slay my brother Jacob? I want you to pray with me right now. I know we've read a lot of scripture. But I trust the word of the Lord that it's getting in our heart. Lord Jesus, your word is pure. Your word is right. I pray today by this, your word, that you speak to our lives where we are. That we hear from this principle of the book of beginnings. And hear from your word that which you would have us to hear. Let us hear with our spirit, not with our intellect. Let us hear what your spirit would speak to our lives. That freedom would come. That things would change from this day forward. That you would be glorified through our lives. That your name would be exalted through our living that you would be blessed, O oh God. That you would be magnified. That our life would bring you glory. That our life would bring you glory, Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to read one other place in Scripture. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse number 14 is where we'll start. It's important that we see these things in Scripture. Hebrews 12 verse 14. Follow peace with who? With who? 
Which ones? Only the good ones? Only the ones that treat you right? Only the ones you care about? Follow peace with all men. And holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Notice there's a colon there at the end of that verse. And so now he's going to tell us how to do that a little bit or give us some examples around that. Verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail. Oh, there's that word again. Failure. Like Judas, right? Lest any man fail of the grace of God. Well, how, how would that happen? How would I fail of the grace of God? Well, let's just read a little further. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. Ah, that would cause me to fail of the grace of God. If a root of bitterness got in and started springing up within me, it would seem from Scripture that a root of bitterness could cause me to fail of something so great as the grace of God. What could cause the grace of God to fail in my life? A root of bitterness. And thereby, watch this. Who's defiled by the root of bitterness? Just you? Who? Many are defiled. Oh, that, that root of bitterness that keeps the grace of God from operating and working in my life. It doesn't just affect me. It affects everyone I come in contact and communication with. Guess what? If I've got kids in my home... That root of bitterness in my heart causes the grace of God to defile. They're defiled by my bitterness, so the grace of God fails to operate in their life fully. That's, I'm not making this up. This is what the Word of God says. A root of bitterness in my life defiles many. If you've got children in your home, that ought to make you search your heart so there's no bitterness in there. You're say, some of you are sitting here going, man, we're jumping around today, Brother Hart. I don't know where we're going. That's all right. I hope you're, st you're still open. You're still with me? All right. So what's this about a root of bitterness that many are defiled by and the grace of God fails? Well, let's go to verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as... Who? What? Huh? Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Verse 17. For you know how that afterward, after he sold it, after the blessing was taken away in his words, when he would have inherited the blessing, that's where we just read, he was rejected. Why was he rejected? For he found no place 
What did he not find a place of? Repentance. Though he sought it carefully with tears. Now that was a long introduction, I know. But I think the introduction was longer than the finishing. But we need to see this in the word of God. We have two examples. We have Judas who failed to find a place of repentance and forgiveness in his own life. And we can look at Judas and we can say, Judas, you did it to yourself. It's your own fault. Should have found a place, Judas, but it cost you your life. But Esau, Esau's story's a little different. Esau didn't do it to himself. Esau's brother did it to him. Somebody wronged Esau. I mean, we read the chapter. His brother lied. His brother partnered with his mom and deceived his father to steal a blessing that should have went to him. And hatred went into his heart because his brother had done him wrong. I mean, it's one thing to look at Judas and say, you should have repented. That's all on you. But we can look at Esau and say, Esau, you have a right to be bitter. You have a right to be angry. This man did you wrong. This guy hurt you. This one offended you. And so you have a right to carry that around. You have a right to bear that around, that hatred, that idea for revenge. It's okay, Esau. But we understand from Scripture, even though Esau's brother had deceived him and stole something that was his by deception, the Lord tells us through His Word that He never found a place of repentance. And so He was viewed as a fornicator and a profane person and one that defiled many by His life. We don't have time today. Go read it. Go do a Bible study this week. Search out the Edomites in the Old Testament, those of Edom. Those are, the, those are all the descendants of Esau. It's not a pretty story when you read the history of Edom. It's not a pretty story when you read about those people and the things they did and the paths they walked in and the things they fell into and you think, how is this possible? These are descendants of the patriarch Isaac. I'll tell you how it's possible that an entire nation of people would become so vexed with vulgarity and vile living and move away from the gospel of God or the message of the word of God. Here's how. Because one man, their father, Esau, was profane. He sold his birthright, but that wasn't the extent of it. It was when hatred got into his heart towards somebody that had hurt him. And when that hatred got into his spirit, he could not find a place of repentance. And the def it defiled his entire generation. And all the children that were his children and his grandchildren, it defiled them because bitterness was in the heart of Esau. And rather than deal with it, he let it defile his children. He let it defile his grandchildren. And at that point, it just kept defiling generation after generation of Edom. Because bitterness was in Esau's heart. Oh, it doesn't just affect you. Oh, but I'm just keeping it to myself. No. What's happening 
Because every time I speak, if it's in my spirit, I can say, hey, how are you doing today? Talk to me about your day. Let's grab a cup of coffee and just chat. And we talk about work and we talk about how the service was. And it's great. And we go our separate ways and we leave. And you don't even know why. You're like, man, I don't, I don't know what I'm dealing with now. All of a sudden, I, tell you what it is if there's bitterness in my heart and we've communicated we know that spirit transmits through words and so bitterness in my heart when I start communicating I don't even have to talk about the bitter place in my heart but I start communicating it starts defiling defiles Esau you're justified I mean your brother was a deceiver. He lied to your father. You were the just one. You were doing what your father told you. He snuck in. He lied. He acted like he was you. He doesn't even have a right to that blessing. I'm not saying what Jacob did was right, but the blessing came on him because of the words of his father. See, sometimes we want to justify bitterness because the actions of one were wrong. I'm not justifying wrong actions. You understand that today. I'm not reaching for Jacob today. I'm reaching for Esau. I'm not reaching to a Jacob that found a, a place where he wrestled with an angel of God and finally got things in order and got his life turned around. I'm reaching for the one that though he sought carefully with tears, he never found a place of repentance. And it defiled many The scripture troubled me in Hebrews. You ever made a mistake in your life? You ever failed? Yeah, all of us. You ever, you don't have to raise your hand. I know the answer, but I want you to consider it. You ever had a failure that you thought, I don't know if I can ever get back from this? You ever had one of those in your life? I have. More than one, unfortunately. Thank God for His grace. Tell you how the enemy in condemnation works. I've had failure in my life where I've wept and wept and wept, waited in an altar, laid in an altar, fasted and prayed, going, God, break this, take this, and not finding any place of change or relief for years. Not today, thank God I'm free. But I can tell you I've dealt with stuff like that where I've waited and sought after God for years in a situation, not realizing how deep bitterness was in my heart or how subtle the enemy had been and having to let God purge my spirit and dig out every part. And let the, And can I tell you when I was praying through those things and I'd weep and I'd cry and search the word and try to get answers and try to get healing, wonder what's it going to take, God? What do you want from me? What else? Do, I don't know how else to pray. I don't know what else to say. I don't, what do I need to express? How do I get it? How do I deal with this, Lord? What's going to bring change? And I'd read this scripture. He would have inherited the blessing, but he was rejected because he didn't find a place of repentance, though it sought it carefully with tears. 
And I didn't understand that. I couldn't wrap my mind around it in my human reasoning and understanding. And so I'd go to pray and the enemy would condemn me with this verse. And the enemy would try to deceive me, Brother TJ. And say, you can search all you want. You can weep all you want. You can cry all you want. But you're never going to find a place of repentance. God's taken it away from you. See, the enemy will try to use the word to condemn us. We know that's not God. He'll never use the word to condemn us. He uses the word to heal us, to deliver us, to lead us and guide us. But the scripture troubled me. It wasn't until I came through one of those seasons that the Lord began to speak to me about the scripture with more understanding. I went back and began to study. How is it? That someone could carefully with tears seek a place of repentance but never find it? Would God withhold it from man? Not the God I know. Do you know why Esau never found a place of repentance? The answer's in the word if you dig in there enough. Esau had conditions on his repentance. It was conditional. Forgiveness and repentance for him was conditional. Here's what it was. Go back and change what Jacob did and give me the blessing that I didn't get. Go back and undo the wrong. Go back and change it and make it right. Go back and punish my brother for his wrong. And then take it from him and give it to me. Make it right. If you search there in the scripture where it says he sought a place of repentance. It literally says he looked for things to be put back the way they were supposed to be. In his mind. And because it was never put back the way he thought it should be, he held on to bitterness and he never found a place of repentance because the past was not being corrected according to his idea. And because the past was not being corrected according to his idea, he let bitterness take hold of his heart. And it defiled his family. You want freedom today? I'll tell you where you'll find it. When you repent. And you forgive. And say God. I'm repenting and I'm forgiving. With no expectation. Of the past ever being corrected. Judas hung himself because he saw no way the past could ever be changed because Christ had already died. It's the same thing that got Esau. He saw no way for the past to get changed back and made right. Hear me. When the blood of Jesus comes and covers, it deals with the past. You've got to leave it with him and go forward. When you and I repent and forgive, 
The vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I'll repay. He'll deal with that his way, his time. That's not my business. I just trust that he's merciful and right and just and good. And I want to receive of what he has for me. And I want to walk in repentance. And the past may never be corrected. That's okay. That's his business. But Brother Hart, you don't know. Maybe I don't, but he does. What I do know, according to the word, is bitterness will defile many if I let it continue to work in my life. And I don't just settle the fact here and now, God, whatever was done was done. It's between you and that and them. It's be- Judas, it was personal, but Esau, somebody else had done it. The answer to freedom is found in those verses. It's the answer to freedom. Because you know what, you can stand with me, you know what the enemy uses against you and I, right? The enemy doesn't bombard your mind with the future. Well, sometimes he does. He uses fear. Fear is for the future, right? This could happen. That could happen. Oh, my goodness, this could get ready to happen. Right? You know, if you hear somebody outside, you're fearing the future. I heard something. What was that I heard? What was that I heard? Fear is gripping in. It's gripping your heart about what's ahead, what could happen ahead. Fear comes and grips our heart for the future. But the enemy uses condemnation and shame for the past. And so what do I do? God, when you correct the past, then... No, I'm sorry. He doesn't work on conditions that way. The Lord's really wanting to set some people free today. I feel it so strongly in the Holy Ghost. The scripture says, what shall be able to separate us from the love of God? You can read through those verses. He says, neither height nor depth. And he talks about these things, things present nor things to come principalities, powers, angels, different things he lists down through there. We all know that. We've heard that before. Things present are things to come, but he doesn't say things past. He doesn't say the past because this is what even Satan knows. The past is able to separate us from the love of And so the enemy will use the past against us. He'll keep reminding us of the past so that we'll not think God could even love us. Or if we're Esau, if we're like Esau, then the enemy will use someone else's past and we'll hold on to their past and let bitterness just root in our heart because of what they did. And never find a place of repentance. And the grace of God fails. Oh, not because it fails in and of itself. But it fails to accomplish in my life what it should. Because I'm holding on to a root of bitterness. And it's rooted somewhere in a past mistake. failure I'm opening this altar today 
I'm not inviting you to come and, and sob and feel sorry. I'm inviting you to come and say, I give it all to you, Lord. I release it from this day forward. No more shackles. No more chains. No more bonds. Come on, get out of your seat. If the word of God is reaching to your heart, I'm asking you to come to the altar and leave it here. Come on, no more shackles. It's a work of the Spirit. It's not something you and I can do in our humanity. This is a work of His Spirit. God, any root of bitterness, anything I've held to in the past, I release it. Not by my ability, but by the work and the operation of Your Spirit. In the name of Jesus. Come on, there's no condemnation here. I feel liberty and freedom in the Holy Ghost. I feel the witness of His Spirit that you've been feeling reaching to you throughout. Come on, today everything changes. Today, today those things break as you release it. Say, no more. I'm free from that pain of the past. I'm free from holding on to that. I release the individual. I release it to you, Lord. I trust the working of your word. I trust it today. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, talk to him about it. Express it to him. This is between you and the Lord right now. I release it fully to you. Jesus, in the name of Jesus, my brother that deceived me, my brother that hurt me, my brother that stole from me, I release it to you, Lord. It's in your hands. Bless them, Lord. Work in their life. Bring correction in their life for your glory. I release them to you. Take this root of bitterness completely from my life. Jesus and that blessing flow.
Jesus. 
thing before we close and dismiss. I'm going to ask for every eye closed right now. Every eye closed. There's a spirit of generational shame that's here and it's trying to attach itself wherever it can. But you've heard it said today with Esau as the example, what, what one man's sin can do. And without even knowing it, we would walk into a place like this, even into the presence of God. But that voice of condemnation that is that spirit of shame just wants to nudge up right beside you and say, this is not for you because of where you come from. This is not for you because of what you've done or because of what your parents did or your family members or your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents. Trace it back however far you want, but that generational shame wants to link itself up. We're going to pray against it here today. And just like all the other victory and freedom and liberty that we've experienced already today, some of you are going to experience this for the first time today. 
go ahead and pray. Lord, I speak, I lose freedom and liberty today. Jesus, I lose a spirit of liberty today. Jesus, a spirit of sonship today, that we would claim hold, God, of your truth and who we are in you. In the name of Jesus, I curse every spirit of shame right now. I bind it in the name of Jesus, and I declare authority over it in Jesus' name that you would be loose to walk free with Christ in newness of Christ, a new creature in Christ today. In the name of Jesus, let's just close our eyes and lift our hands to the Lord one more time. Reach out to the Lord today and claim it. Take hold of what's been given and provided here today. Jesus, in your name, we declare victory today. We declare freedom today. We declare it today in the name of Jesus. We declare it today in the name of Jesus. Lord, this life-changing transformation. Jesus, it's more than just words that have been spoken, but it's an act of your spirit today. Jesus, we take hold of it today. Jesus, we will be watching for it. We will be expecting it today to arise and to walk in newness of life. Jesus, not because of what we've done, but because of what you've done today, what you've already done and provided for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We put the devil under our feet today where he belongs.
Hallelujah. Are you glad you came to church today? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I feel victory in Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for the working of His Spirit. Amen. Praise God. Go in faith. Go in faith. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being in the house of God today. We'll see you Wednesday night. If we don't see you before, you're dismissed in Jesus' name. Greet somebody.